0: Wow, what a great job, ladies. I love that song. Love it. Amen. If you go ahead and take your Bibles, turn back to Galatians chapter 6. This is our text for this morning. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. The phrase, one another, is... One of the key phrases in the Christian vocabulary, love one another, is used at least a dozen times throughout the New Testament, along with pray for one another, edify one another, prefer one another, use hospitality to one another, and many other such admonitions are found in Scripture. Now in the last verse of chapter 5, where we left off last week, Paul gives us two other one another's, except it was a warning. He says in verse 26, Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Now he says this right after the encouragement to walk by the Spirit. In other words, if we're walking by the Spirit, we should not be challenging one another, and we should not be envying one another. And so here in chapter 6, he gives us a practical Application of this. He gives us another one of these one another statements when he says to bear one another's burdens. Now, God is in the business of restoration. He's in the business of restoration. He takes any number of his children who have stumbled, fell into traps, they're in a pit that they can't get out of on their own, and he restores them to fruitful ministries by his grace. We see this in the life of King David. And we certainly see this in the life of the apostle. Paul, uh, I'm sorry, the apostle Peter, after his public denial of his friend, his Savior, Jesus Christ, and he was restored by Jesus Christ Himself. And as God is our heavenly Father, we are in the family of God as believers. And this is God's business of restoration. This should also be our family business. We should all, as Christians, be in the family business of restoration and be actively involved in doing so. And one of the ways we do so is by bearing one another's burdens. Now the last part of chapter 5 sets up today's text. There in verse 25 he says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So again, this is a practical application Paul goes into in chapter 6 of this. And we see that as we walk by the Spirit, We are to be restoring one another, and we are to be bearing one another. That's what we're looking at this morning, those two things. So first, in verse 1, we are to be restoring one another. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Now, the verb that Paul uses here for restore is one that's often used for healing. It has a simple meaning of returning something to its former condition, uh, to mend or repair something that was broken. For instance, a broken bone. You restore a broken bone, or perhaps even an old house we are restoring it back to its original condition, its former glory. Now, unfortunately, Christians... Uh, tend to have a hard time dealing with sinners and giving sinners good treatment. Sometimes we just ignore sin, lacking the courage to confront it. We simply pretend it's not there, that it'll just go away. We act like a timid medical student who sees a a bone protruding out of someone's leg and, and we're afraid to do anything about it. And because of that, the wound never heals, the bone is never set. There's no healing involved without being able to get in, get your hands dirty, and help to restore. Sometimes Christians notice the broken bone of sin. Uh, they're, they see it, but they never get past making a diagnosis. They're more than happy to tell you about it, talk about it, tell you exactly what's going on, but they simply stand around and and talk about what bad shape that sinner is in. They say, well, I tell you, would you look at that bone sticking out? How bad is that? I'm so glad I don't have a fracture like that. It's very easy to do. Of course, this kind of treatment is otherwise known as gossip, and it's a pervasive sin. But sadly, there are even times when Christians will condemn sinners. They'll blame them or even punish them for even needing to go to the spiritual emergency room in the first place. They treat them like outcasts, and they harshly scold them for being spiritually out of joint, and apparently forgetting themselves that they too are sinners in need of grace. When Christians are caught in sin, they don't need isolation, and they don't need amputation. What they need is restoration. Restoration. So how do we go about this? Well, verse 1 gives us a snapshot. Paul lays down a few things that we need to be aware of when we go about restoring someone. First, when to restore. Uh, it simply says when someone's caught in any trespass. Caught in a trespass. Unfortunately, the fact that we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and that we are a part of the family of God, doesn't mean that we stop sinning. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we say that we have not sinned, we make God a liar, and his word is not in us, 1 John. And as we've seen last week, the flesh wars against the spirit. And in war, there are casualties. And in the family of God, we should never leave a man down. Well, We never leave a brother behind. Now here the phrase where it says caught in any trespass or sin, uh, it could refer to someone who's actually caught in the act, a public act of sin, like the woman that is caught in adultery in John chapter 8. It also can mean a brother or sister who has discovered themselves that they are caught in a sinful act. Because temptation has a sneaky way of catching us by surprise. It comes up and, and catches us off guard if we're not careful. But here, Paul is, it appears, talking about something that's public, something that is current, that could be at least known by one person. Because he says, if you know, if someone is caught in a trespass, a brother needing mending, then go to him. Go to him immediately. You may be the only one that is close enough to a brother or sister around you that knows what they're going through. Maybe you're the only one. And you need to reach out and help them. Pick them up and help them get out of that danger zone. But listen to this. Paul gives here some conditions to restoration. Some very uh, important conditions. So first, the question is, who is to restore? Who? Well, Paul says, you who are spiritual. You who are spiritual, restore this person. Now, what does this mean, spiritual? It has a basic meaning that uh, you have to at least be right with God okay? I mean, it doesn't mean that you're some superclass of Christian but you, st- you have to have a basic right relationship with God you at least have to be saved you have to be one of those ones that are winning the battle between the spirit and the flesh alright you have to be living by the spirit walking by the spirit and if you're doing those two things then we'll also be filled by the spirit And if that's the case, if you are these things, if you're walking by the Spirit, then you're most likely to handle the situation correctly. You won't be approaching your brother or sister with wrong fleshly motivations, especially the ones that were listed in verse uh, 25 of the previous chapter. You won't be challenging one another. You won't be envying one another. John MacArthur says that what you really worry about is fleshly people trying to straighten out fleshly people. Since says, then you have a real war on your hands. Unfortunately, we see this sometimes. And this is usually what happens. Uh, those that are most willing to confront someone over their sin, they're, they're most willing to identify and go straight to that person, call them out, are at times the ones that are not qualified to do so in the first place. And the opposite is true. Those that, uh, on the other hand, are truly walking in the Spirit, they're often reluctant to go to that person and and point out some wrongdoing because this is their humble spirit. But those humble, gentle souls are the ones that are indeed most qualified to go and handle such a delicate situation. It takes us right into our next question where we, we ask how to restore. How? Paul says, for you who are spiritual, restore a one in a spirit of gentleness, a spirit of gentleness. Now, gentleness is a characteristic of walking in the Spirit. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit that were given in chapter 5, verse 23. So only a spiritual person walking by the Spirit, producing the fruit of the Spirit, will have the type of gentleness that's required for the task. There's also a strong element of humility here. And we'll see this uh, in the upcoming verses as well. Paul says to restore while each one of you looking to yourself first. Look to yourself so that you will not be tempted. In other words, make sure that you have the right motives before you go to that person because you need to guard yourself against being tempted into pride and self-righteousness. It's so easy to do. It's it's very easy to have just a little bit of self-righteousness when you're going to someone and you're confronting them and you're trying to correct them in their sin very easy sometimes we can be so quick to notice the sin in someone else's life that we're unwilling to look at the sin in our own lives right jesus says in matthew 7 you hypocrite first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye so look to yourself first look so that you too will not be tempted Now, this also means that you need to handle it as private as possible. This also helps to guard against temptation. Matthew 18, Jesus lays this out. He says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. You and him alone. Now, Jesus goes on to describe the events that come after that, if this doesn't work. But they're all geared towards keeping the sin contained and keeping the knowledge of it contained as much as possible to only those who it is affecting and those who have a need to know. Here's an illustration. So you suspect a brother stumbling. So what should you, what should you do? Uh, do you go around and you talk to those around this person? Talk to everybody you can about what this is doing. I'm really worried about him. i really worried about what's going on here and you try to resolve the situation without even talking to that person? Jesus says that you are to go to him directly. I mean, what if you're wrong? What if it's a big misunderstanding? What if you've misinterpreted the facts? I mean, we're fallible, right? We we don't always get things right. What if you're wrong? If that's the case, you've gone and done everything except what Jesus Christ has himself told you to do, like going to that person directly and you've made the situation much worse than it ever was in reality. Look, as Christians, we are to be restoring our brethren, not slandering them and kicking them while they're down. Now, on the other hand, the the opposite is true. What if what you found is true? That you're, you're right about what's going on here, but you never go and talk to them about it. What happens? You never confront them, and without confrontation in spirit of gentleness and humbleness without that basic confrontation there can be no restoration so you're wrong either way you have to go if you find something go to your brother sister and Paul says first to look at yourself look at yourself so you don't be tempted the legalist does things to make himself look good but ultimately condemns the other so that's who Another question we need to answer is, is why we restore. Why, why do we do this in the first place? Why do we restore? And it's not about punishment. Never about punishment. It's always about restoration and healing. Restoring a sinner is very similar to setting that broken bone. There, there's bound to be pain involved no matter who's involved. There will be pain. But the more deftly the bone is set, the quicker the healing can come, and the longer-term healing that can be gained. Look, we do care about what goes on in the body, right? The body of Christ. First Corinthians 12, if any one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice in it. We must be willing to reach out and, and get out of our comfort zones and, and get off into that ditch where that person is. Go to them where they're at needing help. You remember the, the story of the Good Samaritan. The, the religious folks, the priests, Levites, they passed by. They, they gawked at the guy in the ditch. They, they judged him. And yet there was the Samaritan who was supposedly the least likely candidate, enemy to most of these here. He's the one who reached out to that man and he, he showed him grace And through that grace, he was able to bear some of his burdens. This is what Paul goes into in verse 2. He carries this idea that as we walk by the Spirit, we are also to be bearing one another. Bearing one another in love. Verse 2 says, "...bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ." Now this verse does imply that Christians will have burdens. I mean, this goes without saying. Heavy ones at that. Being caught in a sin certainly is a burden, but so much more than that. Uh, there's sorrow, there's worry, there's doubt, failure, there's poverty, there's disease and the divorce and disability, depression. And we face these hardships. And at times they're so heavy that you can't possibly carry them on your own if they're to be carried at all. We're just not equipped to handle them by ourselves. And so in the spiritual war zone, this bearing one another is, is more, unlike before where it was restoring and mending a broken bone, here it has more the connotation of, of carrying someone out on a stretcher, carrying a fellow soldier out, bearing them out. Jesus condemned the religious leaders of his day. He said that they, the Pharisees, tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. And Christians shouldn't be this way. We should not be this way. We need to be in the burden-bearing business and not the opposite. And as we do, we will fulfilling the law of Christ that's what it says here in verse 2 fulfill the law of Christ it's ironic that Paul mentions fulfilling the law in the greater context of Galatians because he's been talking so much about grace and uh, where the law is and how the insufficient the law is as to salvation and now he's telling us to fulfill the law it's very ironic and by doing so we, we become law abiding Christians law abiding Christians To be bearing one another in love. Because this law of, of Christ is basically the law of love. It comes down to that one word. One word. Brother Bobby mentioned it last week. Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. The law of love, the law of Christ. All the commandments hang on those things where you love God and you love your neighbor, and you do those to the full extent and you fulfill. The Ten Commandments. So we bear one another in love. Next, as we bear one another, we are to be examining ourselves. Verse 3 and 4. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. I mentioned humility earlier, and it's really threaded all throughout this this passage. It's one of the keys. It's a very essential element. Paul says, you think you're something, you deceive yourself. Don't go there. He said, examine yourself and confess your sin. You're a sinner in need of grace just like the next person. Examine your own work, and don't do it in regard to another's work. Don't compare yourself to another. That leads to pride. Pride. Self righteousness. Paul says to boast only in your relationship with the Lord. Boast in your relationship of who we are in Christ. And then, as we examine ourselves and as we confess those sins and we remove those things that are hindering us, remove that excess baggage, we're more fully equipped to be able to bear each other's burdens, right? Next, we will also be accepting responsibility. Verse 5, for each one will bear his own load. Now, it seems as if this is a contradiction because he's been telling us to bear one another. Bear one another's burdens, and now he's saying, bear your own load. So is this a contradiction? No. No, it's not. It, It actually goes right in line with what was just said. As we bear one another's burdens, there is still personal responsibility that uh, we're shoulders with. Personal responsibility involved. Now, there's just certain Christian responsibilities that we can't pass off to others, that others can't help us bear. For instance, your relationship with the Lord, that's something that's between you and God. No one else can bear that for you. Let me give you an example of something else. If my car breaks down, My neighbor can help and and share the burden and and deliver my kids to school. He can do it all week. And yet, even though he's bearing that burden for me, I cannot expect him to take over the responsibility that I have as father. That's something that can't be shared. There's a difference. It's wrong for me to expect anybody else to be the father to my family that I'm called to be. That's my burden. And by the way, it's a privilege. But it's my burden that I alone can bear. So when Paul says well, he will bear his own load, just simply think of Judgment Day. Judgment Day. When we alone will stand before the Lord. You know, it's very easy to feel a spiritual high when we're standing among other, infalli- or other fallible creatures and sinners. And you know, we can always find someone that we're better off than, we think. But when we imagine the day when our sinful little selves will stand before the one from whom even earth and sky will flee away from. Any grandiose ideas of who we are will themselves flee. Romans fourteen ten. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So the point is, today, today we serve one another and we bear one another through love because on the last day we will be judged according to the law of love, the law of Christ. And it is only in Christ that we will be found, not guilty. And we stand there alone. We will bear our own load. Finally, we see in verse 6 that we're to be sharing in all good things. Sharing in all good things. The one who has taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Now, the word for share here in the Greek is koinoneo, and it has a basic meaning of fellowship, communion. You're you're partnering with someone. Uh, You become a sharer. And so Paul's saying here that the one who's taught or the one who's corrected is to be sharing and fellowshipping and partnering with the one who is teaching and instructing, and correcting and when he says good things here this could include monetary gifts certainly but it's mostly used throughout scripture in reference to spiritual things and things of moral excellence and of course good things is used in reference to the gospel itself in romans 10 the phrase is used where it says how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things and in Hebrews 10, 1, the law is said to be only a shadow of the good things to come. Jesus Christ himself in chapter 9 of Hebrews is said to be the high priest of the good things to come. So what Paul is talking about here is this mutual support. this back and forth. Not just one group serving or providing for the other, but both parties sharing together. This bearing one another goes both ways. The one who is taught, and the one who is teaching are to share all good things together. Now, sometimes we have a different type of sharing problem. It's just the opposite. Often we're, we're willing to reach out and bear one another's load. We're, we're willing to help out our neighbor, and yet we sometimes are unwilling to receive that same help, right? Why is that? Is it because of pride often getting in the way? We're Perhaps we're embarrassed. Maybe we feel like that we should just do it on our own. Feel like that faith in God alone should be enough. I have enough faith. God's going to take care of me. We just depend on God and everything will turn out all right. We don't need help from anybody else. Well, the faith and dependency on God is certainly commendable. We, We need to have that. But... And yes, God does take care of our needs. Psalm 55 Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. 1 Peter 5, 7, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God's grace certainly is sufficient, right? But we should always cast our cares, no matter what they may be, but we should never presume on God as to how he might answer those prayers. Never presume on God. Often God uses other people as his agents to help carry our burdens. He uses those people around us. We're to be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? And so we're to let those around us do the same thing to us. If God calls, they will receive a blessing because of that. Don't deny your brother that type of blessing in serving God in that capacity. So we're all in this together. We're one body in Christ. We're united by the Spirit. We're supporting each other as members because whatever happens to one certainly does affect the other and we're to share with one another in all good things. So there are several questions that just seem natural this morning, that just seem natural to ask. And the first one is, do you need restoration? Do you need restoration? Brother and sister, have you, Stumbled into sin? Have you fallen into a, a trap, a pit that you can't get out on your own? You need to be restored today because God certainly is in the restoration business and it's by His grace. There's no trap, there's no uh, vice that you've stumbled into that God cannot get you out of and restore you to fruitful service. There's nothing beyond His power. Perhaps it's something as simple as you need to let someone know about it. Let, let someone close to you find someone that you can confide in to help bear this burden. Everybody needs somebody like that. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. On the other hand, you may know of someone who needs help being restored. Maybe you know someone, you're thinking of someone right now as we were discussing this that needs this restoration For example, or I mean first, examine yourself, though. Please examine yourself. Make sure you have the right motives. And if you're wanting to reach out with them with love and that's what motivates you, then please go. Go to them. Bear their burden. Perhaps, though, the opposite is true as well. Perhaps you've handled the situation badly. Maybe you've messed up. Whether you had pure motives to start with or maybe they were less than pure, Maybe you've seen someone needing help and and needing someone to be lifted up, but all you've done was kick them while they're down. You talked about the situation with everyone that you can without ever going to them specifically. Well, I'd say that perhaps this morning you need to go to that person. Maybe you need to go to them, whether they know it or not, and ask for forgiveness. Maybe they're not here this morning. Maybe you need to pick up a phone and and make a call as soon as we leave here and ask for forgiveness for someone you've wronged in this way because you need to get this right between you and God. Each one will bear his own load. One day we'll stand before the Lord and it will not matter what the other people around us have done. It will not matter. The only thing that will matter is what you did for the Lord's sake. Now, please listen to me. Because there's some people here, I know there's some people here that don't need restoration. What you need is a complete rebuild from the ground up. You see, restoration is repairing. It's bringing something back to its former condition. Like that broken bone or that old house that you're trying to restore to its former glory. But if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, restoration is not enough. See, God doesn't just pick up the pieces. He he doesn't just clean us up and repair a few parts of us and, and put us back because that would be nothing more than taking a person who's deceased in a coffin, you dress them up, you put them in their best clothes, you put makeup on, make them smell good, you comb their hair. You're trying to restore them to their former glory, but it's all in vain because it doesn't change the fact that they're dead. And you may be here this morning dead in your trespasses and sins. You need much more than restoration. You need to take that house of cards that you're building and have God level it and build a firm, solid house of faith on Jesus Christ, the foundation and cornerstone. That's what you need this morning. You can certainly have that today. And... I just invite you to simply confess your sins. Trust in Jesus Christ. Turn from those sins. Place your faith and trust in Christ as the only way to the Father. And he will carry your load. He will carry it. Jesus said, he gives a simple invitation. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to Jesus today. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice in Jesus Christ this morning. We rejoice in his sufficient sacrifice for our sins and our identity in Christ as believers. We thank you that we can call you our Father. And it's because of your grace and mercy. Lord, we thank you for Jesus and how he has removed the burden of sin and the sting of death from our lives. Lord, help us this morning as we go forth out of this place to help bear one another, help to bear one another's burdens, help to restore one another. Help us to do so through grace, humility, with great gentleness, and certainly love, Lord, fulfilling the law of Christ. Lord, like you first loved us, help us love those around us. Not for who they are, but what you can do for them and with them and through them. Lord, we thank you for our identity in Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and stand. now.